0: It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to, be. one of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we have been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar, 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good
1: linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Let's go, Raider Nation. It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's a short week, so we're halfway through the week here on the JT The Brick Show. I'm Harry Ruiz. Thanks for joining me today here on another edition of the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio 920 I got a couple of guests lined up today that are very, very good. Alan Snell, founder of LVsportsbiz.com, bike safety advocate. He covers all the business side of sports in Las Vegas. He'll be joining me at 1220 o'clock. We'll talk about the importance of the NFL being out here in Las Vegas and how it has helped the economy. And at 1 o'clock, Polo Asensio, Spanish radio announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals since 2016. His story is very special. He's a guy from Tijuana, Mexico, a border guy right there, San Diego, Tijuana. And um, him in the past, he used to listen to the JT The Brick Show. Guess what his job used to be? He used to be a custodian. He used to listen to the show while working, and now he's living his dream, calling baseball games in the major league baseball and he's a great announcer we'll play one of his clips later on on the show and he knew about the tradition of those raiders versus chargers matchups because he was right there in the border so we'll talk about football we'll talk about baseball we'll talk about his personal story which is inspiring and it's simply the american dream everyone everybody wants to live it and he literally is uh, a An example of how you can get through any situation and never quit on your dreams. We'll talk, of course, Raiders football. I love talking Raiders football. Even though the preseason action starts until August 4th with the first game for the Raiders, a Hall of Fame game out there in Canton, Ohio, the same weekend that Cliff Branch is finally getting inducted. And we know training camp is right around the corner. Rookies report on the 18th. Carr ain't a rookie, but he'll be there. We know that. And then on the 20th, the vets will be in the building as well. We're two weeks away, but I love talking football. I love talking Raiders. So we'll talk the silver and black. We'll talk basketball because the summer league here in Vegas kicks off tomorrow, but there are already some summer league games going on in Utah, in San Francisco. And Chet Holmgren, he's been doing an amazing job in the minutes that he's been getting since he started yesterday with OKC. And we'll talk about him. We'll talk about KD, the summer of Kevin Durant. Where is he going? Is he staying with the Nets? What's going on? We'll figure that out or try to figure out what we think on that situation because it's definitely a crazy one. This base, this basketball Offseason is going to be a wild one. A lot of moves going on and something that we definitely got to keep our eye on with Kevin Durant switching teams potentially for a third time. From OKC to Golden State, from Golden State to the Nets. And now who's going to be the next team that's going to have KD on their squad? And also baseball, the Angels. What the heck is happening with them? They had all the hype in the world around them. And right now they have the fourth worst record in the American League. The Yankees, they're still the in the top of the food chain, despite Bobby not liking them. But you know what? I'll keep saying this. It's July. You got to get through September and to October in a very hot level. You don't want to peak early. And I don't know if the Yankees are peaking early, but they're pretty damn good right now. And the Dodgers, they're doing... The Dodgers thing, just hanging up there in first place. They're still not at the top tier form, but we'll talk about that a little bit more ahead here on the JT The Brick Show. If you want to call in, Raider Nation, do it right now. 702-365-9200. That's a line where you can call in. Bobby answers your call. You give him your name. And he'll put you on the air here with me on the JT The Brick Show on this Wednesday afternoon here in Las Vegas, where fortunately we're not in the 110s this week. Bobby says yet. I'm like, hey, I take a win whenever I can get it. I went and ate some tacos last night, and I was driving at 11 p.m., and I put my windows down. I was like, hey, it's 91. I can drive with my windows down to 91. Once it hit triple digits, then it's up and blasting on the AC. So, Raider Nation, what is something that you guys complain about? And I'll include myself in the category because I'm a member of the Raider Nation. When the national media puts out all their power rankings and their lists and their opinions about the where the team talent wise is right now with the Raiders. It's like, oh, there's bias. And they always put the Raiders way below where they should be. And it could be true. It can't it could not be true. It depends on what your opinion is. Theirs, they got the Raiders down there. The Raiders, they got to prove them wrong once the season starts. But I like an exercise that the that ESPN does every year. They do a survey of more than 50 NFL coaches, executives, and scouts where they ask them to rank the top 10 players at 11 different positions. Yesterday, they released the list for defensive tackles with the Raiders not having any on that list. And just thinking about the defensive tackles the Raiders have, all right, it's more of a committee where you're going to be switching players and putting in guys in there depending on the situation and you don't have a huge name in there. So, I got no problem with them not having Bilal Nichols in the top 10 of the position and Quinton Jefferson in the top 10 of the position or Cal Peco in the top 10. Well, Quentin ain't with the team no more. But, but you get the point. Yesterday was defensive tackles. Today, the worldwide leader in sports published a list for edge rushers and once you say edge rushers, you're like, all right, I got a feeling I'm going to see a Raider name, hopefully too, in that list. And the good part is you got two and the homegrown talent with the squad that the Raiders selected in 2019. He's the highest rated Raiders player on that list. Max Crosby, he was voted as a top five edge rusher in the survey being selected number five behind T.J. Watt, who just tied the all-time single season sack record last year, Miles Garrett, and the Bosa brothers, Nick at number three and Joey at number four. In this same exercise last year, Max was unranked. So from going to unranked to top five, You know that the league is noticing the kind of talent that the Raiders have in number 98, in Mad Max Crosby. The Raiders know it. That's why they signed him to an extension. That's why they want him in the building for a long time. They don't want to let him go. They know that he's a great player, that he's good in the community, great in the community, sorry. He's a great example for not only the guys in your locker room, but for everybody in the city to show you that you can take any problem and defeat it and keep going forward and be the best that you can. So Max Crosby, number five on this list. Meanwhile, Chandler Jones, who the silver and black signed as a free agent, he came in at number seven, right behind Von Miller. So I... Told you the name of the first seven guys on this list. And the Raiders, they're the only team with two players in the top seven of this list. The only other team with multiple players in the top ten is the Chargers. We already said they got Joey Bosa at number four. And coming in at number nine is a former Raider, Khalil Mack, who, yes, injuries have hit him hard. He hasn't been able to show his form and what we're used to watching him do on the field, but he's still a menace. Once he's healthy, you know that he can provide a team that pass rush that you need. And then you add Bosa on the other side, and it's going to be dangerous. And the Raiders, they're going to be careful. They got to be careful. Week one, September 11th out there in Inglewood and be able to stop them at the best of their ability. What a great way to get out of the gates both for your guys, because the Chargers, they've been rebuilding that offensive line since last year. They didn't like that during his rookie year, Justin Herbert was being chased around. So last year, they did it through the draft. They did it through free agency. And this year, they even added another early round draft pick to the offensive line because they want to protect Justin Herbert. Why? Because you look at the Raiders. You look at that top 10 list, and you're like, yeah... I need to take care of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and the pressure they're going to bring through the middle and whatever Patrick Graham and his imagination is bringing up with his new schemes and adapting them to the talent that the Raiders have on the field. That week one matchup is perfect. Raiders versus Chargers, you give intrigue from what happened in week 18 last year, the continuation, but now with the new Raiders squad, with the new regime, with Josh McDaniels as a head coach, with Dave Ziegler as a GM, with everybody in the front office pretty much just being new and seeing a new input in this Raiders. And something that I like, you look at the talent, and it's very good talent. Look, I'm a huge Yannick Ngakwe fan after he was able to get double-digit sacks with the Raiders last year. But the rest of the league, they didn't even include him as a potential vote receiver. They had honorable, honorable mentions where they had Trey Hendrickson from Cincinnati, Chase Young from Washington, Danielle Hunter from Minnesota, Shaquille Barrett from Tampa Bay, DeMarcus Lawrence from Dallas, and then also receiving votes, Josh Allen, Robert Queen, Rashawn Gary. Not a single vote for Yannick Ngakwe, who I insist, I liked him a lot on this Raiders squad last year. But the Raiders, they were like, yeah, he's good. We can do better. And they went for a proven commodity in Chandler Jones. And here's what ESPN had to say with this list and some quotes also from some of the voters. Here's what ESPN said. Teams demonstrate how much they value players by the money they pay. And Crosby, fresh off a contract extension, is now the second highest paid defensive end in the NFL on a per year average at $23.5 million annually. He anchored the Raiders' attack with 42 quarterback pressures tied for ninth in the NFL last season and a 21.4% pass rush win rate ranking 12th. So here's what a defensive coach from the AFC said. He's not the most gifted on the list, but he's so damn relentless. And he's got great power and knows how to use it. He's a technician, too. Then an NFC defensive pro bowler says that Crosby shouldn't be knocked for that, for switching guys on who he has on the squad or well for the guy on the other side. Because this is, people are saying Crosby, he's being good because he's benefited on who he's playing with on the other side. Last year, unique. this year, Chandler Jones, this is what an NF, NFC defensive pro bowler said about it. He's still got moves and a knack for understanding the flow of the game, elevating his pass rush the last two years with adding his spin as counters, and his, his long arms set up more moves. That's what an NFC pro bowler said about Mad Max, and yeah. Crosby, his growth in this league has been amazing, and you see both his teammates, Yannick, came to Vegas, and the first guy he was with was Max. They were right there all the time on the field, pushing each other. Yannick gets shipped away, Chandler Jones arrives, and what's the first thing we notice? Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are out there like BFFs and showing the world that they want to be dangerous that they want to put the opposing quarterback on the ground and poof it's going to be amazing and max he knows that it's not only him max has new teammates on this raider squad and he spoke about it during his last press conference in raiders facility during otas this is what crosby said about his new squad
0: yeah you know uh a lot of new faces, like you said, um, but it's exciting. You know, obviously having Chandler on the other side, having Bilal, you know, a bunch of bunch of new faces. Andrew Billings um, goes on and on. Kyle Pecko There's there's a there's a ton of new guys, but um, everybody's got a great um, a great attitude, you know, towards towards learning. You know, at the end of the day, we're all here for the same reason. We're here to win football games. So um, regardless who's you know, who's out there, we got to be on the same page and and all be flying to the ball. So, um, yeah, we're off to a good start, I think.
1: Off to a good start, and it's going to continue during training camp in two weeks out here in the Las Vegas area in Henderson, Nevada. And Chandler Jones, despite all the stats that he has, and everybody looking at him as a very one of the great players over the last decade in the NFL. And here's what an AFC scout said maybe he's declined slightly, but he's still really good. Always been a stiffer guy, but he's got power and knows how to rush skill-wise. So they're still giving him his respect. You see, some national media outlets saying it's like, yeah, he just turned 32, so maybe he's gonna start his decline. And yeah, he had five sacks against uh, in the first game for Arizona last year in Week One against Tennessee, and then he had five and a half the rest of the way. It's like, hey, this guy, he's still skilled, and that's what I like about these surveys. It's like you're talking about the guys that are in the game, giving their opinion about the guys that are in the game, and they're ranking them coming into 2022. Not what they think the projection is over the next three, four years. No. What's going on for 2022, for the next season in the NFL. And Chandler Jones, he wants to prove himself. He wants to do show the world that he's still worth the money that the Raiders are paying him. Three years, $51 million in March. Chandler Jones, let's hear him on what he said during training camp. Well, during OTAs. Training camp is right around the corner, but during OTAs because he wants to prove himself on the field. I won't use the word prove myself. Um... And, and as far as anxiety, yeah, of course. I mean, I get butterflies before practice today. I get butterflies every day. And that just shows that I love the game. I love the sport. I want to do well. Um, and like I said, it's a new team. You know, There's new coaches, there's new scouts, there's a new staff. Like I said, I know a lot of guys from the staff. But um, I don't want to go in front of these guys and say, hey, you know what I can do. You saw me a few years ago. Or you saw me in ESPN. You saw me 2019. I had 19 I mean, What have you done for me lately? And what can you do for me now? And I know that. I understand that. So um, I take pride in my work, and I, I come to work every day uh, with a smile on my face, but also to perfect my craft. There you go. Chandler Jones said, well, I don't want to prove myself. But then you heard him towards the end. It's like, yeah, everything he has done in the past is in the past. He wants to show them what he can do right now in the present. And that's something that Gerald McCoy, remember when he arrived to the Raiders last year, that a lot of folks looked at him up like, oh, damn all pro guy he's been there done that multiple pro bowls i want to be where he's been and gerald he was putting in the work unfortunately injury in week one prohibited him from being able to shine in the silver and black well raider nation let's hit up a break right now here on the jt the break show and coming right next Here on the show, we got Alan Snell from Las Vegas Sports Biz, the business side of everything sports related here in Las Vegas. We're going to talk to him about it. If you want to call in after I'm done with the interview with Alan Snell, you can do so at 702 365 9200. This is the JT The Brick Show.
0: No disrespect to Devontae at all. Zero disrespect. But I do think that Devontae will, will make uh, Derek Carr better. And in time, they will be a dynamic duo. Now, will it be the duo that, that Aaron and Devontae had? Time will tell. I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback. But he's not in Aaron, uh, Aaron's league yet. It uh, may never be. And, that, and that's no disrespect either. But, but I do think that Devontae uh, owes a great gratitude to, to Aaron and, and the Packers drafting him. That's not to say he's not a great player because he is a tremendous player. And, uh, and, and we'll see that with, I almost said Oakland, with Las Vegas. Uh, but it's just hard to, to shift years, especially from a player as prolific as Aaron Rodgers. I'd be shocked if he had the same year he's, he's had the previous year. That's not to say you can't do it, but I, I
1: would be shocked. Whenever you hear no disrespect, but you hear that but, and it's like, all right, let's see this hot take that's coming. And, of course, there you go. Brett Favre talking about Devontae Adams and thinking he's not going to have the same kind of production out here in Las Vegas as he did over in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Resorts World. With more than 40 food and beverage experiences to explore, Resorts World Las Vegas offers more globally inspired dishes than any other destination on this trip. From casual market fare to fine dining, they've got your cravings covered. Visit our friends out there at Resorts World. And someone who I was very fortunate to be able to see for the first time in a while when I went out to the WNBA game uh, 10 days ago is Alan Snell, founder of LVsportsbiz.com and a bike safety advocate. I got him on the line right now. Alan, always a pleasure to talk to you, man.
2: Harry, it is fantastic to be talking with you. It's been too long. Uh, I agree with you. We just saw each other about a week ago at the uh, Aces game, and people should know that we actually first met. In the Vegas Golden Knights press box, I think when you were on radio about five, on TV about five years ago, and then you went through the Las Vegas Lights. You did a great job with them. I really appreciate your work when I was covering the lights. And now I gotta say I just have to commend you for the work you've been doing on the radio. Love the passion, love the intensity of your radio work covering the Raiders. So good for you, Harry.
1: Thank you so much, Alan. Yeah, man, I've always appreciated your work because it's different from what you see from... 90% of the media out here, both in Las Vegas and in other markets, because you're focused on the business side of things. How more difficult is it being able to do that instead of the typical? For example, if you listen to one of my radio broadcasts with the Raiders on Lotus on uh, 1460 AM, we focus on the game, on the injuries, on everything going on. And you, you focus on pretty much everything else besides what's going down on the field.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I came up through the ranks as a City Hall reporter covering City Hall in places like Denver and Seattle and South Florida. And I actually got in the whole realm of the business of sports when I was covering City Hall in Denver. And at the time, in the late 1990s, Pat that then the owner of the Denver Broncos, wanted a subsidized football stadium. I was fascinated. This is really in the golden age of um, you know, when, when teams were looking to get subsidies to build their stadiums and arenas and ballparks, uh, that's how I got into this whole uh, business. I was always fascinated about the interesting dynamic between government and sports and business and development and sponsorships. And LBSportsBiz.com, really, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary just last month. And, you know, we pretty much hit the wave right when things launched in June of 2017 with the launch of the Vegas Golden Knights hockey team. Their team was selected in June of 2017. And as you know, Harry, the complete landscape and the economic landscape of tourism changed fundamentally with the construction of the Raiders football stadium.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that. How have you seen uh, the economic Growth. I mean, in a city where you got millions of visitors per year, bringing the NFL and putting public money into that stadium for football games from August through January, but also being able to bring big events with the soccer games coming in, uh, in this month, in a week. There's going to be Chelsea against America at Allegiant Stadium and two more soccer games the following week with Juventus-Chivas and Real Madrid-Barcelona, but all the concerts. How have you seen the growth of the city with Allegiant Stadium?
2: Well, it's been a a fundamental shift in the uh, tourism industry of Las Vegas, Harry. I mean, you you had a lot of acts that would have been bypassing the Las Vegas market if not for a stadium of this scope. Also, let's face it, both, um, you know, what's interesting is that Allegiant Stadium came online the same year of SoFi uh, over in Los Angeles, so it worked really well for the uh, concert organizers because what they did was they, they simply added uh, SoFi and Allegiant Stadiums onto a lot of uh, concert uh, circuits, so it worked out really well. Let's face it, uh, you know, we both cover... Uh, the Raiders games, and if you notice, not only are the Raiders games local NFL games, they're really as much they're as much an NFL local game, Harry, as they are a tourism event. You have so many people coming in from southern and northern California. You know, you have the Raider fans who who are coming in from all parts of California. Then you have all the opposition team fans coming in. You know, when you have Denver and Kansas City in your division, you're going to have a lot of fans from those markets coming in. If you remember last year, they played teams from Chicago and Washington and Philadelphia. All those fans flew in. And it it works out well for the financing of the stadium because the, the tourism tax, the hotel room tax charge that goes on every single bill is helping pay the public share of the construction costs for this football stadium. So... In that way, I think from a public policy standpoint, I think you have as true and pure financing as possible, given the fact that the tourists who are coming to events are also helping pay for the construction of the stadium.
1: Absolutely. And then they're also paying big bucks to stay at the city's hotels and then spend on their restaurants and getting the rental cars and the airport fees once they fly in and out of, uh, well, it's not McCarran anymore, right? It's Harry Reid uh, International Airport and all that. It's like, hey, the NFL is a magnet to help the city grow. And do you see any other cities potentially in the future dishing out money to bring in Franchises to to their cities.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic question, Harry. Because Las Vegas is a very hot market right now. For that very reason, the state legislature approved the um, the hotel room tax, that's paying uh, that's coming up with the seven hundred fifty million dollars toward the construction of a public share of the Raiders Stadium. Don't forget that our tourism agency, the LDCVA, kicked in eighty million dollars to help build the Las Vegas aviators baseball park in the, in the form of that naming rights deal, the state of Nevada, people forget about this. You mentioned the NBA summer league and it's all going to be at Thomas and Mack. Well, guess what? You know, the state kicked in about 70, $72 million several years ago to upgrade that uh, arena. And that would eventually be accommodating, like you mentioned, the NBA summer league. So it's, it's tough. You know, it's, it's always a controversy, when local governments ask their local markets to come up with public money, because you always have this, you know, debate about billionaire owners and their teams versus, you know, the governments that have a lot of competing public needs and how do you make that balance? In fact, we're seeing that play out here in Oakland uh, and the whole Oakland Athletics baseball park controversy. Uh, In fact, just last night, I believe the Oakland City Council voted to not have a public vote on their proposed ballpark out by Howard terminal at the port of Oakland out there. And, you know, um, there's always, there's always controversy. Um, Las Vegas is a hot market because we were willing, we, what's interesting about Las Vegas is that for decades, they were not willing to open up the war chest in public dollars for stadiums and arenas. Then they did. And that's why you have so much interest. People want to, um, people, in fact, you have all these, um, let's not forget you have a new arena in the city of Henderson that uh, that opened, and that was also a public-private partnership between Bill Foley and the city of Henderson. That was an eighty four million dollars project. The folks of uh, the city of Henderson are selling out forty two million dollars, want half of the uh, construction price for that particular arena. In fact, um, as you know, the, the the Silver Knights and also the uh, indoor football team plays there. And uh, we also posted a story just uh, late last night about the fact that there might be a G League team moving uh, from, I believe, Walnut Creek, California, to the uh, Dollar Loan Center Arena in the city of Henderson. So, you know, if if you want to, let's face it, Harry, if you want to play in the big leagues, you know, know, you're going to have to uh, pay to play if you're a local government.
1: Yeah, I read that story last night on the Ignite potentially moving out here to las vegas and it would be something that you get more dates filled out in an arena that's local here in las vegas and you could put more butts in the seats and make more money and be able to make that investment worth it both for the folks that own the arena and the city that put their dollars behind it so you mentioned it right now and it was going to be the segue i was going to but you gave us a fantastic answer about it the oakland council voted against adding the Oakland A's ballpark plan to a ballot. How good or bad is that for Las Vegas' aspirations of getting uh, the Oakland A's from Major League Baseball into town?
2: Well, I would think that would help. Um, uh, well, you can, you can make a case for both uh, by not having that on the ballot. Uh, keep in mind, even if it was on the ballot, it was non binding So, But also, if it was on the ballot, it would just add,ed I think, more time and bureaucracy to the process in Oakland. So I would have to say the fact that they voted not to put it on the ballot kind of works against uh, Las Vegas if you do want a baseball park here in this market. But keep in mind, Harry, the reason the Oakland Athletics are looking at Las Vegas and this particular market is for the issue you just raised before, and that is – Will there be public money? I don't know about you, but um, I have not heard one elected official articulate any support for public money for an Oakland Athletics baseball park. And presumably, that is the number one reason why a team comes to your market, if they're going to move. I will say this. We have one team, the Raiders, that moved. We have another team, the Golden Knights, that were created organically from uh, square one. And I think it really helps the emotional connection between the community and the team when it's an expansion team starting from scratch. Because, you know, the Raiders are kind of a a unicorn team because they they have this built-in amazing, not only a regional fan base, as you know, they're a national brand. They bring people in from all across the country. So, you know, in some ways you know, they could have moved anywhere and done pretty well, but moving to Las Vegas was fantastic because they can pass both into the northern and southern uh, California markets. But we saw with the Golden Knights this amazing organic connection that, that to this day, you know, helps with sales, some ticket sales to merchandise uh, in terms of the, the fan base connection. So, you know, um, I, I would say that not – Having the vote probably works against Las Vegas and helps the city Oakland.
1: So, potentially, a fr- an expansion franchise. I wouldn't be against it. I mean, as long as I get to see my Dodgers in town a couple of times a year, I'd be happy with that.
2: You know, what's really interesting is that, you know, you had mentioned arena thing, Bill. We also, with, you know, with, with people mention about how, oh, you know, will NBA be coming to Las Vegas? You know, I do always tell them, we for, for two weeks in July, not only does the NBA come to Las Vegas, the entire professional basketball world descends on Las Vegas. So not only do you have all 30 teams, you actually have um, international uh, teams and agents and scouts from literally around the world, you know, checking out these young players. And also my point is that, you know, we have yet another arena proposal, um, you know, that's on the books for Las Vegas Boulevard and Blue Diamond Road just south of the strip and we have our old friend uh Mark McGain the former president of the Raiders everyone you know if if you're listening to this show you know Mark McGain like the back of your hand uh in fact just one year ago he was just let go by the Raiders and now here he is uh... resurfacing he is the point man to try to get that NBA arena built uh for the Oakview group uh down down there so you know from what I understand, they have they're not asking for public money, so that's probably Mr. Badain's number one job is to get um, get get some private financing and get some investors uh, behind that one billion dollar arena project that's part of this overall three billion dollar hotel casino amphitheater project down there. so things things have not slowed down in our market, Harry. I mean, it has been it is still full steam ahead. And also, don't forget, guess what? We have the, the Super Bowl rolling into town, you know, in February of 2024. So and, and we have a Formula One race coming down the Strip next November. So, oh my things, God. Uh, you know, things are things are not slowing down in our markets.
1: Yeah, when I moved out here to Vegas in March 2017, it was pretty much the Las Vegas 51s, NASCAR, and the Golden Knights were going to debut once the following NHL season started, the 2017-2018 in late September, early October. And now it's like everything is happening. You brought up that project where Mark Bedain is a part of, and of course he has great connections in the city from being being involved in the construction of Allegiant Stadium. And then you add all the connections that Mark Bedane has, and Tim Lightweeke, the former head Concho in AEG, which yeah. is down there in Southern California. You add those two connections. Once I heard those two names, I'm like, this is serious. I mean, Vegas, sooner rather than later, is going to have an NBA team out here. That's what I think. You, Alan?
2: Yeah. You know what's really interesting, Harry, is that Anshilts Entertainment Group,
1: uh, the company you
2: uh, refer to, is part owner of T-Mobile Arena. They actually combined forces with MGM Resorts to build that arena that opened in April of 2016. Bill Foley ended up buying a 15% share of the building. But here you have AEG, and guess what? Tim LaWieke used to run AEG. Now he's with his own outfit, also based in Los Angeles. Some a little, uh, I guess you you can call it a little... Uh, political intrigue uh, below the surface, if you will. And let's face it—you it, know—I don't know if you've heard the same chatter as well, but if you've noticed, MGM Resorts has cooled their jets a little about NBA coming to Las Vegas. In fact, as you know, in past years they've always been the title sponsor for the NBA Summer League. It's always been MGM Resorts, uh, you know, presenting the NBA Summer League. This year, they're off. The, the MGM Resorts. Um, brand is not, is not on the NBA Summer League uh, this year. And uh, there's always there's been some chatter about Bill Foley not being too thrilled about having an NBA team coming to Las Vegas as well, because let's face it, I mean, it's more competition. The one thing that we do have to kind of keep an eye on about our market is that, you know, we're not one of these big, sprawling New York City, L.A., Washington, South Florida kind of markets you know, Phoenix, Houston, kind of with these, these gigantic markets. I mean, you know, we're a market of 2.3 million people, and, yes, we do get 40 million-plus tourists every year, and so, and that number can really be very alerting to these arena builders. But, you know, keep in mind, our economy is such a, tur- it's a tourism-based economy, and it's very sensitive to the uh, ups to the spikes of the economy, so when people don't have cash to spend and they cut back on their travel and their, uh, and their spending, that could hurt, you know, the Las Vegas tourism market. So that's something to keep in mind that, you know, not only do we have to keep in mind does our market, you know, it, how much can our market support all these different sports options? As you know, there's, I was just, you know, reading some uh, items about, you know, and, we, and I've reported as well about the new lacrosse team coming online. They're going to be playing, I believe, at the bigo uh, ultra arena Mandalay Bay you know later this year so you know there's a and, and you have UFC UFC is based here they had a huge sellout um, event just this past weekend so you know you have a lot of sports options in our market and you know that we're kind of getting to the point of saturation of you know the Raiders I think will always do well I think the golden Knights will will, will do well but You know, the question is, with the size of our market, how much more can we support?
1: Absolutely. And I'll close out the interview asking you as well, MLS... Soccer. The league has obviously shown interest in the market. Yeah. Do you think yeah. the market will end up being becoming a house for an expansion team in in the in the league? Because in the past there were talks about a group from Boston being interested in buying the lights and right. then bringing them up to the MLS. But then those winded down with the pandemic, and now there's talks about an expansion franchise with the Milwaukee Bucks owner and other franchises involved. What what's your thought process on this, Alan?
2: Well, there's a, that's a great... Uh, MLS is a great topic. Um, they, I think, can have some... Uh, what, what, what we've seen with, the, with these big, high-profile games at uh, Allegiant Stadium is that people will travel to Las Vegas to watch soccer, and I think that's important. And also, what's interesting, um, I, I think Major League Soccer will eventually come to Las Vegas Keep in mind, MLS like uh, is in negotiations, like you mentioned, uh, with two billionaire partners. And here's, to me, the rub. And this is a really key, in- interesting uh, synergy, is that the place they're looking at building a soccer-only stadium, which don't, they don't have to be as big as Legion Stadium. As you know, the MLS stadiums are, what, around 25,000, 30,000?
1: Yeah, between stadiums. 20 and 30.
2: Right, they could be they could work in tent, the location is right next door to the proposed NBA arena site. So you could have kind of like a mini entertainment district down south of the Strip on those two adjacent big sprawling properties where you have a. Um, this is just strictly kind of dreamy now. A, a an NBA arena at Las Vegas Boulevard and Blue Diamond Road, and then right next to it. Uh, You'd have the MLS uh, soccer-only stadium that would be part of that light uh, rail, that high-speed light rail uh, station that also the Milwaukee Bucks owner has uh, an interest in as well. So uh, MLS and NBA, they can be—I can can see being bullish on those two sports coming to Las Vegas— if they work together on the stadium and venue end of it, because as as you know, the Las Vegas sports industry is driven by the venues. That is what has made Las Vegas a national player now. On the, on the national landscape is because we have uh, T-Mobile Arena and we have Allegiant Stadium. And if you if you can build an NBA arena and an MLS stadium next door, you can work those synergies together. Uh, to make it potentially viable.
1: It's going to be a crazy next couple of years out here in Las Vegas. You mentioned Super Bowl, you mentioned Formula One, and I'm keeping my eye also on potentially getting that NBA squad, that MLS squad, and, of course, a major league baseball squad. Alan Snell, founder of LBSportsBiz.com, bike safety advocate. Can you tell folks where they can reach out to you on social media and, of course, your website, you, Cassandra, Ty, you guys do an amazing job out there.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Just log on to lvsportsbiz.com. Just uh, bookmark the site. Um, And I really appreciate you giving a shout-out to Cassandra. Cassandra spent last week running around for all the UFC 276 coverage and (laughs) talk about all these other events. We had WWE Money in the Bank right across the street there at the MGM Grand Garden Arena going head-to-head with the uh, UFC uh, event over at T-Mobile Arena on the other side of the strip. Ty O'Donnell will be joining me again for the Aces game tonight. Uh, his photos are really great. And thank you so much for recognizing the fact that we cover everything outside of the traditional games uh, uh, on the field and on the court. I mean, if it, anything that has to do with the arenas, the sponsorships, the ticket prices. In fact, we have the Golden Knights and the Raiders' uh, average ticket prices. Uh, we have that. Right on the site on the homepage in the upper right-hand corner. Um, it's always fantastic talking with you, Harry. I love the passion. I um, I just live. I love listening to Raiders Spanish radio just to hear your voice and the passion that you call the games. And when you were doing the uh, the videos, that was like to me that was better than the actual play itself, Harry.
1: I really really appreciate that, Alan. Thank you so much, man. Hope to, to catch up with you soon. And it doesn't take us this long to to talk again.
2: Absolutely. We'll see each other soon, Harry. Thanks so much, man.
1: Thank you so much, Alan Snell. Visit him on lbsportsbiz.com. Let's take a break, Raider Nation, and we'll come right back to talk some hoops. Kevin Durant and, of course, Chet Holmgren. He's coming to Vegas soon. Let's talk about him after this break. Holmgren up top
0: and down. High flyer, two handed. Here's Law, baseline. Takes it right at Holmgren. And guess what?
1: Denied. How about the rookie for the OKC Thunder from Gonzaga University? The number two overall pick, Chet Holmgren, made his summer league debut yesterday 23 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Six blocks, one steal on seven of nine shooting from the floor and four of six from beyond the arc. Not too shabby for him. His first game in the Summer League, of course, it happened yesterday in Utah, and he beat the Utah Jazz, and he's back in action, of course, in Utah again against Memphis tonight on Thursday against Philadelphia, and then he's in Vegas with the OKC Thunder, On Saturday against Houston at 5 p.m. Vegas time. How cool is that? Chet putting up great numbers out there. He's coming out to Vegas real, real soon on Saturday. Tomorrow, the Summer League kicks off in Las Vegas. Thomas and Mack Center, Cox Pavilion, July 7th through the 17th. After watching a couple of games on TV, NBA TV, you were able to watch the California Classic, those summer league games in San Francisco. And yesterday at Salt Lake City, Kicked off the action, ESPN2, NBA TV, you're able to watch those. But now you get the main event out here in Las Vegas, the Thomas and Mack Center. You're going to have a grand total of 75 games out here in Las Vegas. So that's definitely going to be fun. You know, 60 games already with teams that are going to be facing each other. So you're going to be able to check that action out here in Vegas. Go and support the Summer League. And the big question mark that we got going on when you talk about hoops is what the heck is gonna happen with Kevin Durant? K D. Is he leaving Brooklyn? Is he staying in Brooklyn? It's like what the hell is gonna go on with uh this this superstar in the league? And we already saw Rudy Gobert getting traded. And he got traded for three ones. Shams says this about Kevin Durant. He said it on the Pat McAfee show. The Nets, they pick up
2: TJ Warren today. They're making moves and they're doing things this offseason with in their mind, the preparation and operation as if they're bringing these two guys back next season and playing with these two guys. Now, I I think they're open in dialogue and they're open to teams like Toronto, Phoenix, Miami making offers. But until they get that price threshold met, which I'm told is all-star type players, a boatload of draft picks, they're not going to move. This is what they're telling teams. We're not going to move Kevin Durant until the price is met.
1: Sham Sharnia right there on the Pat McAfee show talking about Kevin Durant. And, of course, if Gobert was worth three ones, what the heck is Kevin Durant going to be worth? A load of draft picks and a load of all-star players to be able to move on for him from the Brooklyn side. It's going to be crazy, and we're we'll be going to be covering here it here on the JT The Brick Show. Let's go to a break. We're coming back with St. Louis Cardinal Spanish announcer Paulo Asensio from a listener to the show to being a guest.